1: TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score Nord Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand.
2: It's Purple Daily. Xavier needs to play better. He needs to play better. I'm going to make sure that he plays better. Because those guys are important in our defense and what we do. And so it's partly my job to make sure that he plays better. I, I just don't think he played as well as he can play. And he needs to play up to his uh, ability level, and I need to make sure that he does that. We're paying him a lot of money. He needs to, he needs to play up to that contract. He hasn't lost speed. He hasn't lost athletic ability. He's kind of gotten away from his technique a little bit, and, and we're going to get back to it.
0: Welcome to Purple Daily on the All-New Score North. Zolgad, Matthew Collar, Manny Hill in today, and that was uh, Mike Zimmer from the owners' meetings in March, Matthew Collar. Some very pointed comments about Xavier Rhodes. And now people might be saying, okay, but that was March. Why are you guys playing those now? Well, there is a um, word out of Kansas City. At least there is a push in, in Casey, which needs help in the defensive backfield to potentially go out and get some help. And it's been floated there that target number one of the chiefs should be Xavier Rhodes. Now, that's interesting to us because the Vikings salary cap situation and contractual obligations remain r- remained very much in flux and we don't know where that's going to go. But what are your thoughts now when you um when you put two and two together with what Zimmer said in March and now
1: hearing that that Xavier Rhodes might not be a Viking on opening day. Well, here are the exact numbers for you on the salary cap situation. The Vikings have $793,000 of salary cap room. At this moment, in order to sign their first pick, Garrett Bradbury, they need to have $2.3 million in salary cap room. That's a little ways to go. Now, if you look at their top 51, there are some players that they could just straight up cut and try to create that space. Um, But aside from that, either a restructure or a trade has to happen still in order to make this much cap room. And the Kansas City and Xavier Rhodes thing has not gone away. And uh, at the draft, there were rumors through the entire weekend, or Thursday, Friday, Saturday, that teams were calling on Trey Waynes and teams were calling on Kyle Rudolph. And so we haven't really talked a ton about Xavier Rhodes. But what's interesting about the comments that we played, I didn't actually know about this until draft night, that someone sent it to me on Twitter was that Xavier Rhodes had been favoriting tweets after Zimmer's comments about needing a new place to play and Zimmer putting the blame on everybody else but himself. And he was, I mean, or liking tweets. It used to be called favoriting. Now it's called liking tweets. I'm with you. But Twitter tracks the tweets that you like, and you can go look at the tweets that people have been liking or saving for themselves or... You know, sometimes it's, everybody uses it differently. Sometimes it's just to give a response without giving a response. Just like, oh, okay, I acknowledge that you said something to me. But pretty interesting that fans were tweeting him about needing somewhere else to go, and then he was favoriting them after Zimmer's comments. So clearly, Xavier Rhodes was aware of those. Now, that doesn't mean that he would demand a trade or that Zimmer would allow him to walk out the door. But this salary cap problem must be resolved at some point soon for the Vikings to be able to sign Garrett Bradbury. They've still got a little bit of time, and there is the June 1st Issue, which is after June first, everybody's contract, or some people's contract switches over to the next year. I'm trying to think of the best way I could describe free, this yes. convoluted it process. It changes. It changes something. It, it changes. Yes. Right. So someone like Riley Reef, the cap number yep. for cutting him changes completely after June first. So I don't know if that's the case with Linval Joseph too, but it might be. And this has to do with like signing bonus money and everything else. So there could be some changes that they just wait till June first to make. Or something like this could still happen. There's always a trade in June, in May, that ends up surprising us after the draft.
0: What could you get for him? If if Rhodes was taking the market right now, and let's say it's the Chiefs and a secondary team, and, and you went back and forth, what do you think, with the draft now done, by the way, what could you get for him?
1: Mm, I mean, I'm thinking uh, next year's second and a fourth in 2021 or something like that. You're talking about a guy with a pretty huge contract that isn't going away anytime soon. Uh, I'll look at how long that they're really under contract with him because usually the Vikings set it up so they can get out of these deals sooner than they're. So when they say it's a five-year contract, well, that actually probably means like three, but even next year, it would be a pretty enormous cap hit if they cut him. Dead money would be $4.8 million. That's a lot. Yes. The next year after that, 2021, is when the contract's really over. That's when they could cut him with only $2 million of dead money. So if you're sending that contract to Kansas City, and sometimes with these two, certain amounts of money has to go along with that, so you still take a certain cap hit, it gets really convoluted. But if they did it, my guess is because of his huge cap hit, because he did not have the best season last year, yep. you're probably hoping to get something like a second and a conditional fourth. A second down the be, road.
0: A second wouldn't be bad, by the way.
1: No, but then you don't have I don't know Xavier that I to Rhodes. make the trade. Okay, so so here's my
0: question then. And I saw so Rhodes was drafted in the first round during the Frazier regime, and I saw him, and he was okay. He struggled, and which is not surprising. Zimmer got here in what 2016, correct? Or 2000, I'm sorry, 14, Uh, 14, 14. And in that training camp, he was in Rhodes back pocket in Mankato on a daily basis and worked with him extensively and helped turn him into a, an okay ascending player into a very good cornerback in a league where that position gets paid. What's your interpretation of what Mike said in Florida? Because, when I hear Mike say that I think he almost with a guy like that takes a personal responsibility of well he didn't play yep. well and it's not that I don't like him but in Mike's eyes that's an affront to Mike because sure. I coached him sure and so I I think that Mike sees him and Rhodes being in lockstep as as this is my my student and he learned from me and we're going to get him back. But Rhodes is not an old man, and he's not going to see things that that way. Rhodes could very well take that interpretation and say, this bleeping guy's talking about me publicly. So do you think that what Mike said in Florida changed the dynamic of how Rhodes feels about the Vikings and Mike Zimmer?
1: Well, I remember a situation with Anthony Barr in 2016 where it not only impacted how Anthony Barr felt about his head coach at the time when Zimmer said he had a tendency to coast, But it also had ripple effects through the entire locker room because I I think the locker room felt a little bit betrayed. And also, Anthony Barr is really popular in that locker room, too. So a lot of players looked at it like, "Hey, wait a minute! You're you're pinning this on him that we haven't won as many games as we wanted to, but really, it's the offense that's not doing their jobs." And really, you know, Zimmer got out schemed badly against the Indianapolis Colts, which is uh, this is going back to 2016, but like that was one of the reasons that the corners went rogue in Green Bay. And including uh, Xavier Rhodes, by the including, way, including. In fact, it started with Xavier Rhodes yep, that who gets Ter- nervous Terrence Newman. Yes. Uh, <laughs> and that was what Zimmer said for why Rhodes supposedly got the details of that wrong. But he didn't um, anyway. The, yeah. The cover up being as bad as the crime in this case. But, you know, that still, I would say, has some reverberations that Zimmer has not had an incident where he has shredded someone until This thing with Xavier Rhodes, where you're right that I think Zimmer is putting it on himself, saying, I didn't coach him up well enough. I have to coach him up better next year, and I will. But if you're Rhodes, clearly the interpretation is not that. The interpretation is, hey, you're throwing me under the bus just like you did with uh, Anthony Barr a few years ago. And if you're Rhodes, you might feel like, hey, I've been a top corner for you. I've been a pro bowler for you how are you saying this stuff about me? Especially when he was battling injuries. I had a conversation with Rhodes, not necessarily for an article, but just last year and he didn't go into great detail, but I just kind of said, hi, how you doing? You know? And cause he was looking anguished, taking off some of his uh, gear and stuff. And he just said, it's been tough, man. It's been tough. And I believe it, you know, he's had a lot of injuries and even Zimmer last year was making fun of him for coming off the field when he would get dinged up or something like that. And, Said, like, that's just Xavier being Xavier or something like that, he he said, yeah. He kind of made him sound like he was being a diva or something, you know, by coming off the field. And I think that there's been some nagging injuries for him for a couple years. I I could see how this wouldn't sit very well. And where where this makes sense to me as far as him potentially being
0: traded is this. If, If Rhodes and his people went to Spielman and basically said, enough, get us out of here. Because we've seen this before too, Collar. We've seen this where, where a coach takes a young player in and makes and helps make that guy a star. So there's no question of the impact that the coach had on that player. But eventually when you, after years have said, Oh, he got nervous and gave you details when he didn't smart guy Rhodes is. And then you get this one where the player gets to a point in his life where he said, I'm a veteran now. This is embarrassing. Right. I yes. want out. And, yep. and the most effective way to do that would be to quietly go to the Vikings and say, you got cap problems. I don't want to be here. Get me out of here. So here's another and part of this. And we wouldn't find that out, but by the way, the secondary yeah, part.
1: Yep. That would all be kept as quiet as possible. But here's the other interesting part of this. So Zimmer fully believes that he can make Xavier Rhodes back into the Xavier Rhodes from a couple years ago. And I would like to add that it's not like the guy was a truck fire last year. The opposing quarterback rating when throwing towards Xavier Rhodes last season was 88. So it's not like he was getting lit up like a Christmas tree. He was still uh, below what the rating was for throwing toward Trey Wayne's and consider he's always locked on to the number 1 wide receiver, so that number's even better. But one of his major issues was he was among the top in penalties. He had 9 penalties last year and missed some time too. So like penalties per snap is really high for Xavier Rhodes and kind of has been. But if he's not truly shutting guys down, that becomes not worth it. And pro football focus dings big for those pass interference penalties because they're big plays. So out of 77 cornerbacks last year that played at least like 600 snaps, so regular corners, 77 in the NFL, Xavier Rhodes was graded 71st last year. Hmm. Now I would believe because cornerbacks do go up and down in these grades and you have to get it like three or four years to really get a good sample on a guy. So I believe he could go up in that. But when you think about somebody who graded 71st and whether you can replace them or not, you probably can. I mean, can you replace someone who can go one-on-one, Julio Jones, week one? Probably not.
0: Yeah, that becomes but, a lot tougher. But
1: can you scheme it otherwise, like they did when Holton Hill was in? They didn't have Holton Hill lock down Michael Thomas or whoever it was that they were playing. Uh, I for, Did he play against the Saints? Who did he play against? Somebody that had a good wide receiver. And they didn't like have Holton Hill go... I think you're right. ...take on the number 1 wide receiver. Right. So instead... Yeah, no, it might have been where Rhodes missed the game against the Saints. Yeah, Holton Hill didn't go lock down Michael Thomas like Xavier Rhodes did. He got a lot of help. And they still played pretty solid defense in that football game. Right. So when you're looking at the Vikings... um, Because this is going to be your next question, Judd. So sorry, I'll jump in front of you with this. I got another question, too. The depth chart. Yeah. What would it be like if they traded Xavier Rhodes? Okay. What you would have is... (laughs) you might move Mackenzie Alexander to outside and play someone else like Mike Hughes and Nickel. Now, Hughes is coming back from the injury, but if he's on track, they would know that, not me. I don't think I want to do that. I think I've invested so much time in Mackenzie being inside, I think I leave him inside. Okay, so if he is inside, Hughes can play outside, though. Then you have Trey Wayans and Mike Hughes on the outside with Holton Hill missing the first four games. Yep. And then beyond that, that is where it gets shaky. You have Chris Boyd, who they drafted in the 7th, Craig James who showed some potential last year in preseason, he's on the team as well. And then just guys, just, you know, camp body type players. You are playing with fire if you trade Xavier Rhodes.
0: Okay, so here's my next question though. If you if you are the Vikings uh, today and you're going to meet internally and the conversation is Rick Spielman, Zimmer, Kubiak. And we're down to this. Gentlemen, we're going to have to make a tough decision here, but it's going to be Rhodes or Kyle? Yeah. Who do you who do you fight mm. who do you fight more for? So I'm Zim, so I, I clearly want my defensive guy, but Kyle gives you the the luxury of two tight ends, including a veteran guy. And for for all we talk about him, Kyle does some things very well. Who makes more sense to be the casualty of the cap?
1: Hmm. Well, there's an an, decisions have to be made. Yeah. And there's another ripple effect to this too, is that there are still good free agents on the market. Like, and Dominic Sue is a free agent at this moment. Okay. What's so what can I replace if I let it go? If you create more cap space by moving Xavier Rhodes, you could potentially add a defensive piece. And that's how you would sell Mike Zimmer on this. I don't think you can get rid of Kyle Rudolph. I really don't. I mean, Irv Smith is 21 years old. He did some blocking at Alabama, but it is a different story to block in the NFL. And I know that they have David Morgan is a blocking tight end. Tyler Conklin's another guy, but if Irv Smith can't make the transition quickly, you're just out of luck. And this is an offense, the Kubiak offense that has generally had a lot of really good tight ends. You remember Owen Daniels? The guy had a whole career because of Gary Kubiak. Kubiak would take him everywhere. He went with him because he was the perfect fit tight end. Right. <sighs> I mean, Rudolph catches everything
0: that comes his way. And Kubiak did not take this job to be submarined by guys he feels he needs being
1: released. Right. So, I think that Rudolph is just too important to let go. He catches everything. He's great in the red zone. He's reliable. And even though he's not a great blocker, he's still blocked NFL players before, unlike Irv Smith. I don't know what you're getting with Irv Smith blocking NFL players. I don't so, want to
0: take away any weapons from this quarterback either.
1: Right. I mean, it, that would be, to me, criminal to say, oh, we're going to give Kirk Cousins everything he needs, oh, but minus your Pro Bowl tight end. Right. Like, wait a minute. So if you're talking about it being Rhodes, there are some free agent corners that are on the market still, and every once in a while we do see this, where a veteran kind of hangs out there in the market, nobody signs him, we're all like, what? What's going on there? There is one guy. This is, this is an, an idea, a plan. Is this going to be so crazy I'm going to laugh? Is that why you're doing this? This guy has worked with Mike Zimmer before. Okay. He has been an island corner before and still at an older age performed, has performed pretty well into his thirties. Should I get like the explosion sound ready for this? If you want. Yeah. You, this okay. could be an explosion. This could be a boom type of moment. All right. Brent Grimes. <laughs> <Boom>. <laughs> I don't think it was boom-worthy, but did I Did we blow it. up the Grimes Island there? Is that what we just did? I think we did. Grimes is now, now dead. Now, the Vikings, um, now, now,
0: quickly, the Vikings, you have suggested this before, this very, very move. Yep. June, in fact, if I am not mistaken, Nicole Roby Coleman was a free yep. agent from Buffalo before he went, I think it might have been the team before the Rams. And I said, sign and, this and guy, he's just, good. And you had just gotten here, and you told me they should sign this guy and he can help. And they did not, and I don't think since you have
1: arrived here that they have signed
0: a guy like that in June. But no, I again, don't think so.
1: But again, that's an interesting case. So there are a couple other guys, too. So, uh, Grimes is not the only one, but Grimes actually took the next step as a corner, as a young corner in Atlanta, with Mike Zimmer. So there's a connection there. Okay. And last year he graded higher than Xavier Rhodes. Most people did, but he was not by any means an elite corner with Tampa last year, but he was still good, and he can play. Uh, Morris Claiborne. Is still out there as a free agent. Captain Munnerlin is still a free agent. I couldn't, but you know. But I think you have to Rogue in year one. With I love Zim. the grin that John just gave. But, <laughs> I like Captain, actually. He's a great quote. <laughs> uh, there are a few other ones. Um, Kayvon Webster played for the Texans. Sam Shields played for the Rams. Yep. Not great, but he's played before. Uh, Devon House, the guy who played for the Packers, he's 30 years old. Or Orlando Skandrick is another guy. Now, Orlando Skandrick played terribly last year for the most part for the Chiefs, but their whole defense was terrible. You have to assume any corner that they bring in is going to play better because of the pass rush that the Vikings have and the scheme and the play calling on defense that they have. Whatever they played last year, they will play better. My point just being, there's like seven guys who are free agents still, at least according to Over the Cap, unless I've missed something on some of these guys. And how much would they cost? Like let's say it I, can't be much. Let's say I got the best
0: of this group. What would the potential cap hit be if Rhodes is gone? I mean, if you're
1: talking about and I'm
0: clearing out. To your point, I am clearing out a bunch of space if Rhodes is traded to Kansas City.
1: I mean, Brent Grimes, thirty-six years old. Oh yeah, okay. For the end of his career. Okay, he's at thirty-six. I can get him for. He made seven million bucks last year, but there's no way he'd ask for seven million again. Right. The one issue with signing older players at this time of year is. You do get yourself into a situation where if you're I forget what the age is or the accrued years. If you've played so many years, though, they have to pay you anyway. Like they have to pay you the money, even if they release you. Yep. After they sign you. Yeah. If you're so, there on
0: on opening week. Right.
1: Yeah. Like so they can catch you in camp. That gets a little that gets a little tricky. But. Yeah. I, I mean, if you were talking about creating the amount of cap space by dealing Xavier Rhodes, I mean, you could do a couple of things. There's a wide receiver who's still out there that I like and was really good for the Colts, Dontrell Inman. Guess who he's visiting with today? The Patriots. But if you were to do this, create cap space, and sign another corner, sign another wide receiver, I mean, is that better than having Xavier Rhodes? Like It probably is. I just think the the most interesting
0: question to me is, has Rhodes gone to the Vikings privately and said, trade me? Those quotes, the, the fact that he liked those things on Twitter... And the quotes by by Mike, if you're Rhodes' age with that experience and considered that good, it's not going to sit well. And, and I could see Mike trying to be like, I didn't mean it like that. Yeah. But at some point in time, guess what? Players don't care. Players are like, I'm done with this here. I mean, and I, I did see that Mike went out of his way, I, I think the one day he talked to you guys last week to praise Barr. So he's still trying to write that wrong. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I think he called him a brilliant player. And he is no, so that's I agree fine. With that. But yes, but he yes, doesn't right. say that unless he, he feels an inherent yep. pressure to right the wrong. He
1: went out of his way to make sure that that he said yes, he's a brilliant player. So it, the Rhodes deal makes a lot of sense if there's a subsequent signing that goes along with it that adds you another corner. And Leon Hall is another um, Mike Zimmer guy who's a free agent. So none of these guys would mean oh wow, you have an elite shutdown corner. But could they give you the same level of play or better that Rhodes did last year? Probably. It's just could Rick Spielman actually convince Mike Zimmer well to let
0: Rhodes go. But my my point is what if Rhodes's people behind the scenes are pushing the Vikings to do so, in which case it becomes easier if you say, Mike, this is
1: screwed up. He wants out of here. I feel like Zimmer has such an affinity for like five guys on this team that it would be just, it would be really hard to do. I think Zimmer would say, no, I'll work it out with him. I'll work it out with him. I'll make him happy again. I'll apologize or whatever or Whatever he's got to do. I think that it was Ro- call, by the way, Rhodes so. goes under the category of just like a Zimmer guy that he doesn't want to let go. And even Barr the same way. If you were just looking at the Bar situation, totally ice cold calculated yep. nothing to do with how much Zimmer loves Anthony Barr you would not resign him because the cap situation is so tough and Eric Wilson can probably take that spot yeah but you sign him because you think well he's really good and I have made him into the player that he is as a coach
0: there are there are a few really well-run teams that, that when Barr walked out the door to go see the Jets would have said you're never coming back here yeah the Patriots the Patriots the Patriots like would have said you're not coming back So, all right, let's take our first break. Kevin Seifert of ESPN joins us next. It's Purple Daily on the all-new Score North on 1500.
1: You're listening to Purple Daily on Score North. And this. All right, welcome back into Purple Daily. And now from ESPN, we bring in our friend Kevin Seifert on the show. Hi, Kevin. How are you? I'm good. How are you all? Oh, we are very excited. Judd and I are making up trade rumors. It is May <laughs> oh, and the NFL Oh yeah. Oh
2: yeah.
1: <laughs> oh, you know you know that uh when you got a Zolgad, you gotta have trade rumors and potentially coaches getting fired. So um uh, <laughs>
2: one or the other. Right. <laughs>
1: but uh a Zolgad. Wow. You, you uh you wrote a great piece for ESPN about the NFL's pass interference problem and why replay is so tricky. That is literally the headline of your article. <laughs> um yeah. My favorite topic has become instant replay because it's just in our lives all the time, Kevin. Whether it it's really the, is. You, you can't even watch a horse race without instant replay uh, becoming part of it. But when it comes to the pass interference thing, I think it's smart to review pass interference, but now Kevin, tell me what the problems are with that.
2: Yeah, I mean, and I in full disclosure, I've been in favor of this for years. I don't think it's, you know, you know nearly the uh... the nuclear um, uh... ending that we've all that many people thought it would be but there are a lot of challenges and the biggest challenge is if you say replay is only supposed to uh... to correct the obvious uh, clear and obvious egregious mistakes that makes sense you know implicitly and explicitly when you're talking about is a guy in bounds or out of bounds did he have two feet down or one foot foot down was was the ball loose when he was, before he hit the, uh, the ground, that sort of thing. Those are objective things that you either can see or not see. Uh, the trick that why pass interference is tricky is that it, there's no, you know, black and white definition of what pass interference is. Uh, it's supposed to be a material restriction, uh, by one, by either the DB or the receiver, uh, against playing for the ball. But everyone's idea of a material restriction or a material impact on their ability to make the catch or play the ball, uh, can be different. And so what the NFL has is doing right now and really is racing against the clock to complete is figuring out a way to establish what the standard is going to be for what egregious means. Uh, you know, when something is so obvious that you need to make a ruling on pass interference, and when something is subtle enough that, you know, whether it is or is not PI, you don't want to delve into it with replay.
0: Oh boy,
1: this Kevin. Does, I, I'm sorry. Th- I like you, but I want to fight you right now. This doesn't sound good, Kevin. Well,
0: it's not Kevin's fault. <laughs> no, no, it's not fault. yours. But I just Who's want to getting, express wait, my wait, rage. I understand
1: Who's getting attacked?
2: Me or Judd?
1: <laughs> no, it's it's you, for, uh, for going through all that and just uh, like oh. I'm with you that they need to replay pass interference. But as you were saying that, I was just like, this is going to be such a bleep show, isn't it?
2: <laughs> and to well honest. there's gonna i mean there's gonna be ups and downs there's no doubt there's you know i talked to the uh be the story, new i talked to the, the uh director of officiating in canada you know they've been reviewing pi uh for five or six years and he said in the beginning it was rough you know they were basically looking at every play in the booth frame by frame taking two plus minutes every time and it was you know fans oh, were unhappy players were unhappy <laughs> coaches were unhappy but they didn't want to have a you know you know they they the system and then have all these potential PI calls not corrected or not impacted. They thought that was their job. And what they realized was you really have to pull back, you know, to a much uh you know higher bar of what not what PI is and what isn't, but what's reviewable and what isn't. And so that's, once they started doing that, and once they start, basically, I think the way the guy put it is, once they accepted that the standard for replay in the booth, the standard for PI in the booth, has to be different than the standard for PI on the field, and that you could easily, you could have something that, a play that is clearly pass interference that if an official called it on the field, you would grade them correct, but if a replay official decided to, to reverse it, you would, you would grade him incorrect. And that's because they only want, you know, they really had to work hard to emphasize we only want these 1% of these calls, the really just blatant obvious 500 people sitting in a bar can, uh, can, can, would all agree those are the ones we want. And the NFL has to get to that point, I think. Uh, if they are going to try to go frame by frame or minute by minute, uh, or excuse me second by second uh, in terms of whether you know a guy got his hand up there a few frames before on on the other player a few frames before the ball got there and that's where it's really going to get bogged down so that's what they need to figure out um, they're doing that now um, they're going to hope they're, they're going to need to be able to communicate that to the officials this summer and the teams and and there'll certainly be some rocky moments there's going to be a time when they're going to reverse they're going to throw a flag on the field for P.I. and everybody's going to be like what why would they do that that doesn't make any sense and there's going to be times when what seems to be a pretty obvious P.I. uh, gets uh, they don't throw a flag for um, and until they have some experience under the belt until they uh, you know figure out what exactly what that standard is and make it consistent throughout the system there'll be those hiccups but you know, in talking to Sean Payton, uh, the Saints' coach, who was obviously the most affected by this thing and was the guy who really pushed to have this um, adopted for this year, he said, "Ultimately, what would you what what angst would you rather have? Would you rather have some kinks that need to be worked out in the in replay, or would you rather have another play like we saw in the NFC Championship game, except this time maybe in the Super Bowl?" And so his point was, I'd rather be working through the kinks of a solution that might be a little rocky in the beginning, than uh, just throw your hands up and say every now and then we're going to have an embarrassing call that affects who goes to the Super Bowl. Oh boy.
0: Okay. Uh, so Kevin, can I help out here? Sure. Chew on that for a while. <laughs> can I help here? Though. Judd started tearing no. up with frustration. I- <laughs> no, I've, that. Got, I, I've got, I've solu- got, <laughs> I've got solutions. Because I saw the conference title game decided by, um, with a league that has replay, but decided by a call that couldn't be reviewed because we don't allow that on that play. Uh, Two nights ago, I saw a a Game 7 of the Stanley Cup playoffs decided by a guy who was offsides who had nothing to do with said play and had his back to the play and was trying to actually just step onto his bench. Um, here's what I would like. I'd like to be paid two million dollars by sports per year, Kevin, to be the con- to be the common sense arbitrator of what is looked at and what's not by sports. I know, seriously, all sports yeah. just pay me. No, wait, wait, wait. Horse racing's out. I don't care about them. But I want hockey, basketball, football, and baseball to pay me, and I'll take a flat fee two million a year. All sports. Call me at home and say, should we look at this? And I'll say, you know what, you should, or you know what, don't bother. And then no one can argue, and I right they're wrong because we're setting ourselves up i mean replay we've made this and and as human beings we love to do it but as humans we have made this so much more confusing than it needs to be well i i think
2: there's it i agree with the first half of your of your sentence we've made it we've made it very confusing and it is i don't know though if you can go back and i don't i i think long as soon as and this wasn't a, a overnight thing but as the technology improved in the way that the games are uh, delivered to the fans, and the views changed and the angles were increased and the quality was much better. When you started giving fans a better view of the action than the officials get on the field, which is what is happening now, something has to be fundamentally changed. And the answer to this point has been to add technology to the officiating. Um, it does make it different and potentially more confusing, but I don't know that, you know, going, you know, limiting the, uh, I don't know if you, if you limit the the effort to match up the technology with what people are already seeing, if that is limited too much, I don't think that helps either. I don't, I think we're, you know, there's, there's definitely a vocal minority of people who say it's sports, there's going to be bad calls, live with it. But I don't know if, sports fans at large, the majority of people who watch the games are simply going to be willing to accept uh, the times when calls are, bla- are revealed to be blatantly wrong, and they impact the outcome of the game, and seasons, and careers, and legacies, and just be willing to say, you know what, uh, that's sports. Um, and the reason I think that is because if you get on social media, if you walk down the stairs of a stadium on the way, on your way out after a game, what is everybody talking about? You know, a lot of the time it's about the officiating. That's what dominates their thoughts about why the outcome of the, how the outcome of the game occurred, especially if it's a close game. And so I think people are locked in on the idea that, you know, at least enough people are locked in on the idea that they need to have, um, more faith in the officiating of the game and more, trust that it's going to be called every effort is going to be made to call it as well as you can Um, I think they'll accept occasionally mistakes along the way but I don't think that they will accept a lack of effort or a lack of willingness to take up tools that can help minimize those mistakes.
1: Kevin, any chance that uh, the NFL was intrigued by what the AAF did putting the referee up in the booth during the game?
2: (laughs) Um. You know, the coaches all want that. The coaches, NFL coaches almost unanimously wanted, uh, basically, there's already a replay official in the booth, you know. Um, uh, they, They wanted that replay official whose job it is to sort of communicate with New York and communicate with the ref and in the last two minutes to stop the game if something needs to be reviewed. They wanted that person to also take on the job of sort of the sky judge. Which is, you know, have the ability to just overrule or, or throw a flag themselves or, or radio down and say, hey, you had 12 men on the field, or hey, you spotted the ball wrong, or hey, I really do think that was pass interference, and for that person to have the authority to do it. Nobody on the competition committee, nobody in the league office wants anything to do with that. They don't think that those replay officials are qualified to do it. I think like only a 25% of them have ever been officials on the field in the first place. But that's what the coaches want. They thought they thought that, you know, which is similar to what the AAF did. They thought that uh that would be the quickest way to do it. It would be it would make sense. You wouldn't have to add all this infrastructure and all this commotion and that person could just, you know, almost in real time let a referee know if a major mistake has been made. Um, that might happen. Sean Payton said in New Orleans, so that's definitely gonna happen one day. I don't know when, you can call it what you want, sky judge or whatever, but it makes too much sense to have Somebody uh, upstairs in the stadium who can just radio down, who is watching the TV angle in real time and say, hey, uh, that was, you know, you completely missed that. And so maybe down the road, but right now there isn't a single person that I know of in the league office and on the competition committee or in the officiating department who want any part of that.
1: Talking with Kevin Seifert of ESPN. See, the AAF did a couple of things right. Where they went wrong was paying Zolgad $2 million to be their uh, replay official. It's that was, Reggie, maybe if they had, that's where, that's it they would went never under have it. happened. It's Reggie Fowler's fault. I'm six
0: foot one and tons of fun, and what I'm not telling you is I'm broke. John, I don't yeah, know if you would yeah. have even gotten that check for $2 million. I wouldn't yeah, have. No, he
1: would have never, uh, never would got paid been... for that. Uh, well, that was Good what I, I wanted to ask you, Kevin, was um, – so one league goes down and the next one is right on tap with the uh, XFL and your employer and uh, other media outlets signing a TV deal with Vince McMahon in the XFL. Um, your thoughts.
2: Uh, well, since they're now partners, they're great. I love it. It's <laughs> going to be awesome. No. Um, the XFL, has they have some unique qualities in terms of what they're trying to do. They're trying to create a much faster paced game. I think – Their goal was to have the the full game done in about two and a half hours, which would mean much less time between plays, much more action relative to the total time, um, much less dead time. They're looking at every aspect of the game to see what they can energize. You know, is there a better way to do punts and have fair catches? Is there a better way to do kickoffs and not have touchbacks? All that different kind of things. And those, for football nerds uh, and geeks like myself, uh that'll be fun to see what they come up with. Um they obviously have what you would assume is a much more credible financial backing in Vince McMahon than they do they than the AAF did, uh you know, without much debate. But in the end, they have not answered, and I don't know if they have an answer to the central question is of how a a Spring League can make money and sustain itself. Or is the ultimate play just to somehow be absorbed into the n f l um, uh through financially or otherwise in a way that gives them a long term um, source of revenue but in terms of you know t v in terms of uh you know i mean that and that's the big thing the n f l makes most of its money from t v contracts um I don't think the x f l is anywhere close to to that uh, the terms of the t v agreements have, haven't been announced, but I'm sure that it's not it's not great. And so that is, uh, uh, that would be the, the key to watch. Can they create a product that they can actually sell to people, to TV markets or, or online over the top in a way that they can actually make money. And I don't know the answer to that. I don't know if they know the answer to that. And no matter how good the football is, um, that will always be the central question is, can they find a way to make it work independently as a business or is their play just going to be to hope to appeal to the NFL and what the nfl's um uh you know why why the nfl would need to buy a a developmental league i don't know you know they're they're doing fine without one uh people in, in football the football people would tell you it'd be great to have one to develop quarterbacks to give you know practice squad guys real time play but it's not as if you know the business of the nfl is hurting without it and so why they would need to put out the money to acquire a developmental league i don't know and so we'll see um you know more football is always better than less football if you're a fan <laughs> but we'll see if they can uh if they can distinguish themselves and operate themselves in a way that gives them any kind of long-term stability which has eluded every single other league that has ever tried to do this this is true thank
0: you kevin siefer appreciate the time okay.
2: Yep, thank you. Okay,
0: check out the uh, work at at ESPN.com. In fact, he's got a piece up right now on replay, and it sounds like this is going to be, Matthew Collar, a complete disaster. But that's <laughs> yeah. just me. That's ju- just me. Let's, at least for a year. Let's do this. Let's take a break. We actually, during Purple Daily in the month of May, have breaking and very fluid and very interesting Vikings news. We'll come back with this on the all news Score North on 1500. Get the
1: Purple Punch. It burns your insides and it makes your eyes water. Purple Daily. On Score North, scorenorth.com. Cousins is trying to get home. The Hail Mary from Cousins. It's caught! It's Kyle Rudolph with a Viking touchdown!
0: Right, welcome back uh, to Purple Daily on the all-new Score North. And Matthew Collar, I teased to this, but why don't you deliver the uh, breaking news, which I'm sure will also... Um you, you'll devote plenty of time to at two o'clock on Score North Live with Matthew Keller.
1: Can I get either breaking news music or you can you throw an explosion after this?
2: Do not explosion.
1: Wait for it. Sh- you can do it. Double it up, Easy. see what happens. Okay. Here is the explosive breaking news that isn't. Explosive. really like nothing's happening yet but it could happen it could be explosive ian Rappaport. this is actual news so i'm not messing around ian Rappaport <laughs> from nfl network <laughs> score, no- says, score north where sometimes we mess around and sometimes <laughs> we don't he tweets, the Minnesota Vikings have held active extension talks with tight end Kyle Rudolph, but those broke off this morning, sources say. With Minnesota drafting tight end Irv Smith and Rudolph due $7.5 million, this development could lead to a trade elsewhere. There is interest around the NFL.
0: Can I give you my two cents on this?
1: And yes, you I'd may. like
0: your reaction, and I've been saying this for quite some time. The Vikings, I think, have been trying to talk to Kyle about this for quite some time. My assumption is this, that when they went to him, because if they cut him, there's nothing owed, right? There's nothing. There's no crap hit. Okay. Yep. So my assumption was they said, let's extend you out, but let's keep it the way it is, which means you get nothing still. And that's why Kyle said basically well you know i'd be glad to take an an extension i think he was saying with guarantees yes so my two my two cents is this is a continuation of the vikings and i don't even blame them but trying to essentially say take what we're going to give you it's an extension but we ain't gonna make this lucrative into the future for you
1: i have had the feeling that kyle winston rudolph is that his middle name i just texted you what it was Daniel. What is up with you and Mackey trying to come up
0: with middle names? He's not a serial killer. He's a tight end. At
1: one of these points, I'm going to get one right and everyone's going to be impressed. Kyle Daniel Rudolph. My impression has been that he he could change it. Uh, Ocho Cinco did. uh, That he has wanted to hit the market after this year and see what might be out there for him. That has been my impression going through this entire thing from some of his comments about, Oh yeah, well sure. I would take a new deal if they only came to me with it. I, I never thought that that was what was actually going on. I don't believe Kyle Rudolph was happy last year. And that is evidenced in comments from him and Mike Zimmer more than halfway through the season, talking about Zimmer and Rudolph having a meeting about his usage and how often they were getting him the football. I don't think that last year went very well for him. And if you're on his side and you look at Jimmy Graham, who for some reason the Packers didn't cut, I don't understand. Jimmy Graham, Do you think he makes it? I don't think he's on the opening I, day roster. At all. I don't know that they must think that it's going to work still because they didn't sign anybody. He saw else. him in week two last year, yeah. and he was. They toast. drafted a third round tight end. I don't know. Do they owe him a significant?
0: Is there like would there be like dead money on his deal or something?
1: Some, but not so much that you would say to never do it. Yeah. He's also done. Yeah, oh, he's like, totally you're right. he's totally just done. But think about that. He was toast in Seattle and someone still gave him 9 or 10 million dollars a year. Yep. If you're Rudolph, he's going to make 7.5 this year. You hit the open market, there are no other tight ends on the market next year. Think about what he could be getting. He could be getting $10 plus from somebody because he's a proven Pro Bowl tight end. I wouldn't blame him for trying to do that, especially if he's not getting the type of touches here that he wants. And that puts the Vikings in a difficult position because you have a Pro Bowl caliber tight end and you drafted one. But asking that tight end, uh, Irv Smith, to come in and play the role of Kyle Rudolph right away or thinking that you could just fill his spot by rotating guys that is a lot to ask of Irv Smith, Tyler Conklin, and David Morgan. And Kubiak
0: has to want him, correct? There's no there's no way so. that Gary would go in and say, ah, oh, if you cut my Pro Bowl tight end, that's fine. But I just, I keep going back to the fact that I think the Vikings have talked to him probably and say, we'll extend you out and we'll give you a little taste, a little something, but it's not going to, to be much. And to circle back on what you're saying, he's saying, well, why would I take this now when I can play this thing out potentially? And
1: somebody, somebody, I think probably mistakenly, but somebody's going to pay him. Rudolph is also smart enough to know that the Vikings always seem to get team-friendly deals out of guys. And if he doesn't want to sign a team-friendly deal, then yeah, he's going to want to move on. Now, I just got the tweet from someone, and this always happens when Rudolph comes up. He's not worth it. He's not worth $7 million. He's not an elite tight end. Well, first of all, you pay elite tight ends more than that. But I would not put him in the category of Zach Ertz or Travis Kelsey. Absolutely not. But quarterback ratings when targeting Kyle Rudolph, he has about a career's worth of throws his way or a season's worth of throws his way. Mm -hmm. 554 times Vikings quarterbacks since 2011 have targeted Kyle Rudolph. They have thrown for 3,900 yards, 42 touchdowns, 12 picks, and a quarterback rating of 109. And last year, With uh, Kirk Cousins, it was 113.5. So really, he had a good case for Kirk Cousins should have targeted me more. Yeah, I mean, a guy who's consistently getting 60 catches and putting up quarterback ratings when he's targeted of over 100, he's dropped two footballs over the last two seasons. This is not that easily replaceable, someone who catches everything that you throw to them.
0: But he is a guy that you probably... He's a top three guy that you look at if you're the team in their salary cap situation that they are now and say restructure and if they're saying and if they're saying to them we'd like to do this but it's still going to be on our terms then you got a problem and that's my guess is where we sit right now now the dynamic that I think is interesting though is going to Gary Kubiak and saying hey Gary sorry because he's gonna say what already you know Irv Smith to your point is a nice player but you have no idea so the dynamic that now becomes intriguing to me is, does Kubiak say, I'll bite the bullet and that's fine, or say, no, no way in hell, this makes no sense. And I don't know, but that, but, but now to go back to the top of the show, Collar, this is where the Rhodes conversation comes back to uh-huh. me yep. because Kubiak could say, look, I'm head coach offense. You go to head coach defense and talk to him. And we've seen this before. If,
1: yeah, if I were Gary Kubiak, Kevin Stefanski, I'd be like...
0: Are they one person?
1: Yes. <laughs> Kubfanski. No, it's, forget it. Kevin Kubiak. Kev, we we'll yeah. roll with that. Uh, well, there are already several other Kubiaks on the uh, coaching staff. Gary Stefanski. So, uh, but if you are the uh, kubiak Stefansky combo, which is... I. Poor Kevin Stefanski. I mean, he's a, he's really done a great job of rising through the ranks to be an offensive coordinator, and now everyone thinks that it's Gary Kubiak's offense and not his, and that might be true. So, no, you but, know that is but, true. Come on. Anyway, I know you cover the team, but you know it's anyway. True. Well, no, yeah.
0: I, hey, hey, listen, Kevin's suggestions are welcome. Okay, put them huh, in the no. box and walk away, and Gary, will we'll check them out at nine o'clock tonight. I,
1: I just I feel like uh, Kevin Stefanski, through his experience, deserves to have the job. And then, you know, he gets it, and it's it's sort of like George Edwards is the defensive coordinator, but no one ever talks about the George <laughs> Edwards defense. We just talk about and his, yeah. That's just a, a complete aside. So anyway, with, uh, with Kyle Rudolph, if I'm Gary Kubiak, and I love me some tight ends, and I really love me some two tight end sets, yep. am I going to be completely comfortable with Irv Smith, who I don't know if he can play yet? I don't know if he can get a playbook down yet. I mean, you've seen this before, Judd. Second round pick. Oh, he's going to be great. He's going to be the best player ever. And then he comes in, and the guy can't figure out where to line up. And the blocking dynamics alone are extremely difficult. And David Morgan is a fantastic blocker. But David Morgan got hurt last year, and they were left with Tyler Conklin. I don't know if Tyler Conklin could play. He had five catches last year. You... I think already at this moment they are flying without a parachute with this offense where if one person gets hurt, it's a domino effect of being a mess. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you're talking about this, one of these tight ends gets hurt. That if Morgan gets hurt, who's blocking? Is it Irv Smith or Tyler Conklin? Neither of those guys could block. Right. And that and that's what they want for this offense. So I But this I, is not surprising. I think news. they need to find another solution to create this money.
0: But this is not shocking news the the only no, que- the no. only question about this news is
1: when was it going to hit and i thought it would be pre-draft yep. we said this for months now about Kyle Rudolph saying oh there's no extension talks like yeah sure Kyle
0: is there <laughs> right? right is there Anybody else in this roster that could be restruct- restructured to free up some space?
1: There is um, Linval Joseph and Riley Reef would be the two other guys.
0: And Reef after July first.
1: After July 1st, especially first, especially with Reef. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. My June first. Yeah. Um, but the, the number of guys is pretty limited, and there's mm. a few players who are over the top fifty-one that maybe you could cut and create a little space. But you're talking in the hundreds of thousands and not in the millions. Yep. That's where it gets tricky. Next couple hours even could be intriguing for the Vikings if they decide to make a move here. And you're going to be back Friday. And News you're, dump Friday. And you're going to be back <laughs> at two o'clock. Correct. What a coincidence! I will be with Courtney
0: Cronin at two to yep, talk exactly Vikings. All right, we're done. Purple Daily Five Thoughts: A special radio edition is next right here on Score North.